the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. God had been preparing the children of Israel to enter into the Promised Land, but once they entered and dwelt in the land, they were to continue to love God above all else and to do what God had commanded them to do. The Israelites were to be a unique people, different from the surrounding nations. Moses had delivered many speeches to them, commanding them to follow after God with their whole being in every aspect of their life. There are still things for Moses to do before the nation goes into the promised land. Moses will finish his race well and wants the Israelites to do the same. He reminded the Israelites that God would be with them, leading them through Joshua to a guaranteed victory. The Israelites were to continue to remind the next generations of all God would continue to do. We join Pastor Will in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 13. But also, verse 13, it would have the added benefit that their children, which have not known anything, in other words, they didn't see the land being taken, they didn't see the walls of Jericho fall, they didn't see the dramatic deliverance from Egypt through Pharaoh, that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. So not only would it give this generation a chance to recommit themselves to the Lord every seven years, but it would give future generations who came after the land was conquered an opportunity to hear the entire story from beginning to end so they could commit their lives to loving God supremely as well. Be easy to move on to verse 14 right now, and we certainly could, but I think it's important to point out that we have no record of Israel ever being obedient to this until the days of Nehemiah and Ezra. No record. It doesn't mean they didn't. I won't speak from absence and say they didn't, but we have no record of them doing this at the Feast of Tabernacles during their entire history until Nehemiah and Ezra lead Israel back into the land from Babylon. So why don't we turn to Nehemiah chapter 8, because I think it's a really cool chapter in the scripture, and I think it has some important thoughts for us in light of what we're learning and about finishing well. Now, it's kind of neat how this works out. I'm going to do a lot of reading, but you got to bear with me. In verse 1, it says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was in front of the water gate. This is in Jerusalem. The walls have been rebuilt. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So Ezra the priest, he brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding. So the children that could understand what was being said, they were there as well. Everyone else was in Sunday school class. 
and was there upon the first day of the seventh month. Now, keep that in mind. They don't realize the significance of that day yet, but just keep that and hold that in mind. So what does Ezra do? Verse three. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until the midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Verse four just talks about a pulpit they built and who was up there with him. So verse five, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people on this stage, this pulpit. And we opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen, amen, with a lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then obviously Ezra probably can't read all day. So he's got these other guys to help him. I'm not going to say their names, but it says he, these guys and the Levites in verse seven, they caused the people to understand the law. So not only were they reading it, but they would explain it. And the people stood there in their place and they listened to it all day. So to sum it up, they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. Then they gave the sense, they explained it, and then they caused them to understand the reading, to show them what to do with it. Hopefully that sounds a little bit like what we do every, every Sunday, because that's why we do it this way. Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Do not weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. That's how long it had been. They had not known what God's word said. And so as it's being read, they're going, amen, amen, this is truth. And they're lifting up their hands and they're worshiping the Lord. But in addition to that, they're hearing all the things that God said that they're supposed to be doing and seeing they're not doing them. And they just begin to break. They begin to weep and are going, what have we done? What have we done to God? And so he says, listen, I know you're, it's hard to hear these things because we're not doing a lot of these things, but don't weep. This is a good day. We're learning. It's good. We're going to change. And so he said to them in verse 10, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. This is a day of celebration for this day is holy unto the Lord, our God. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God is not upset with you. He's not angry with you. He is rejoicing over you. And it's interesting. I used to hear that forever. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you know what you try to do? I got to get happy so I can be strong. That's not biblical. It's God's rejoicing over you that it's your strength, not your joy. There's days that there's nothing joy about it. And you can't trump it up. You can't bring it up. And that's not going to make you strong. And even if you could, it's the fact that he's rejoicing over you. This is a good day, he says, because the Lord's rejoicing in it, that you're being obedient to him and listening to his word. So the Levites, they stilled all the people because in the Middle East, they mourn a little bit differently than we do. They really carry on saying, hold your peace for the day is holy and either be grieved. So all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. It was a special day. Now, verse 13, on the second day, we're gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people, priests, the Levites, even Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. So now the leaders are coming out and they're going, we need to know what to do. We need to hear it again. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast in what month? This month, this very month. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem, saying, go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches, branches of thick trees, so you can make tents as it is written. And the people went forth and they brought them and they made themselves tents, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts, in the courts of the house of God. I mean, they're just sprawling everywhere, tents everywhere to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 17, all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booze and they sat under their booze. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had been done it. That's a hard read. I mean, we're talking at least 700 years. Not one Feast of Tabernacles since the days of Joshua. Wow. 
But there was very great gladness. Now they were. Also day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according unto the manor. They didn't even know that this is what they were supposed to be doing. They were just reading God's word. And it turned out it's the same month that God told them to do what Moses said to do back here in Deuteronomy 31. And that's the cool thing about when you choose to obey the Lord. You can look back at all the failures. You can look back all the problems that came into your life because of those failures. But today, the Lord's with you. If you choose to obey him, he's not looking at any of those things. He is with you right now. He's guiding you right now. And he's going to take you to the end. All you got to do is follow him. What a special thing it must have been to realize, wow, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We didn't know it. So now let's keep this feast as well because that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's when we're supposed to be reading the scripture. And every day from the first day to the last, they were obedient to Deuteronomy 31 and they read all the scriptures. Chapter nine, it says, now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting, sackcloths and earth upon them. The idea is now the Feast of Tabernacles is going on. They're repenting. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners. The idea here is from certain types of interactions with them that were not okay. And they stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and they read in the book of the law of the Lord, their God. One fourth part of the day and then another fourth part of the day, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. So for six hours, they read the word of God and then they spent the next six hours worshiping him or confessing their sins for the things they were learning about that they had not done. I mean, you read about revivals, you read about how God pours out his spirit and and people are changed. This moment you read here is everything that Deuteronomy 31 was intended to be. I mean, this this is what it was supposed to be about. It wasn't everybody supposed to go, oh man, it's the seventh year. Do you know how long the law is? Pastor Will took four years to preach through that thing. These guys were here. They're lifting up their hands. They're worshiping. They're confessing their sin. They're repenting. You know, they're celebrating. I mean, this was not a boring week for them. What he says here in Deuteronomy 31, verses 10 through 13, this was not a boring week for them. It wasn't just about reading. It was about responding through confession of sin and surrender to God. The church is in Israel. We, we aren't a nation. We, we don't have a land where we all gather in one place together three times a year. We're spread all over the globe. We gather in local congregations, just like the book of Acts. And to the church, Paul instructed us in 1 Timothy 4.13. He said, till I come, here's how you do church. Give attention to reading, to teaching, and to exhortation. The same thing we see here in Nehemiah 8.8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. They gave the sense, and they caused them to understand the reading. Same exact thing. That's what Paul did. And it's why he was able to say he finished well. In Acts chapter 20, Paul, he gets all the Ephesian elders together for a beach pastor's conference. And he says to me, he goes, I'm free to the blood of all men. Why? For I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of God. I've shared it all with you. I've, I've explained it to you. you. You got it. Paul spent, I think it was two and a half, three years in Ephesus teaching them. He's much quicker than I was. But he says, I'm free of the blood of all men because I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And then right at that moment, he said, if you guys want to finish well, like I can say, that I can say I'm free of the blood of all men, then that's what you need to do. He tells him, he says, take heed unto yourselves and unto the flock of God over which he has made you overseers, that you feed them. In Acts 20, verse 28, he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. That's what church is supposed to be about, to hear the word of God read, to hear it explained, and to be challenged on how to do it. Now, if we go back to Deuteronomy 31, we could probably end it here. We'd think, okay, Moses has done his job. Joshua finished well. Nation finished well. Civic and spiritual leaders finished well. Go climb up the mountain and go be with Jesus. 
But Moses' job isn't done yet. He has two final tasks. One, to pass the torch to Joshua. And number two, to teach Israel an important song. In verse 14, it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Behold, your days approach that you must die. So call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation, that I may give him a charge. So Moses went and he presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of a cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, you shall sleep with your fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them. And they will forsake me, and they will break my covenant which I have made with them. And then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? But I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in which they are turned unto other gods. We've got to put this in context. Moses tells the nation, Be strong, be courageous, God's with you, you're going to win. Tells Joshua, Be strong, be courageous, don't be discouraged, God's with you, you're going to win. And then the Lord's like, Okay, Moses, it's time to die, but before you do that, I got two tasks for you. Bring Joshua with you because I got to give him a charge. And so, you know, they go in there, and though the words are spoken to Moses, they are for Joshua's benefit. Joshua had been close to the Lord because of the fact he was Moses' right hand man, but, but he knew some things other people didn't, but he never saw the heart of God like Moses did. Well, now he's going to see it God's full, exposed heart, and God just lays it out there. They're going to go after other gods. I'm going to have to judge them. They're going to go, oh, this happened because God left us. And God's going to go, mm-hmm. Now, if you're Joshua, you're going, this is like the exact opposite message that I, from what I just heard. How is this showing Joshua anything helpful? Well, verse 19, here is his instructions. Now, therefore, write, and there's a little word there, ye. It's plural. This is not just for Moses. This is for Moses and Joshua. You both need to write this. Now, therefore, write ye this song for you, literally for yourselves. Each of them would have their own copy of this song. Moses would teach it to them, but Joshua would be, have the job of continuing to teach it to them after Moses was gone. This is his charge. Now, therefore, write you this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths. Literally, it means sing it over and over again until they can sing it on their own. Now, we don't learn this song till chapter 32, so you got to come back next week to hear the song. It's, it's a rock song. It is. It talks about rocks all throughout it, so we'll get to that. But put it in their mouth. Sing it over and over again until they can sing it on their own that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Evidence, legal proof of my accusation. In other words, what the Lord's saying is, I don't want to judge Israel. This is what they're gonna do, but I don't wanna do that. Judgment is never God's first tool to get our attention. It is always his final tool to get our attention. So this song, the charge that Joshua is receiving, why this is a good thing, this song would be a preventative tool to keep them, to remind them not to go this route. But this song serves another purpose. Because, and this is an important part of, of staying out of trouble. Because every time Israel would sing it, it would remind them that God knew them better than they knew themselves. And that he knew that their hearts were prone to wander from loving him supremely. For in verse 20 he says, For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, it flows with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxed fat, then they will turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now before I've even brought them into the land that I've promised to give them. 
We read this. He goes, I know their inclination. I know their tendencies. I know what they're thinking even now, even before I brought them into the land. You know what's fascinating? You read Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18, and it's that litany of just how fallen we are. Our tongues are like, you know, open tombs, you know, we're all like snakes. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one good, no, not one. I mean, there's not a pretty statement in that, in that text. And here's the crazy thing. Despite our selfishness, our ungratefulness, and our evil thoughts, he still goes before us. He still gives us victory. He still wants to lead us. My tendency isn't to love God supremely. It's the exact opposite. It's to love myself supremely. It's not to obey God, but to gravitate toward the things that displease God. And it's only through being born again and allowing God to change me by his spirit that I become more like Jesus, who always did what pleased his Father. So I ask you tonight, do you recognize that natural inclination to stray? And do you humble yourself daily before the Lord? Or do you often try to do life in your own strength? You know, Joshua is privy to some very heavy things. I mean, these are things that he would not normally hear about. And yet, it reveals God's heart that God doesn't want them to stray. He wants to prevent that. He doesn't want to judge them. And so he gives them this song. He gives Joshua this song to teach them as another deterrent. Now, again, it would be easy for Joshua to become discouraged upon hearing this. So before they leave God's presence, God tells Moses to encourage Joshua. Verse 22, Moses therefore wrote this song the same day. So God, he did exactly what God instructed him. And I love this because Moses finishes well. He finishes well by setting the nation up for success. God told him to give a song. He said, I'm gonna write it down. So Moses wrote the song the same day and he taught it to the children of Israel. Again, we'll get to that in chapter 32. But here, verse 23, he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge. And he said, I remember what he's just heard. He says to him as they come out, he says, be strong and have a good courage for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them. And I, these are are how we know it's God's words because Moses can't be with Joshua. And I will be with you. I will be with you. What God said will happen in the future. And if we read Israel's history, we know it doesn't take too long. This generation, it's no better than the last. It's just as weak as the last one. But he says, Joshua, you will succeed in this task because the Lord will be with you. So all you gotta do, Joshua, is be with him. Be strong, be courageous, show resolve, and keep going. Things that God spoke to you about, they don't have to happen in your day or in the days of those that you can influence. So Joshua, you determine to do your part so that they won't. You know, and I love because Paul echoes the same words in the New Testament for his own life. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, it's in the middle of verse 12, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. So he says, Timothy, I believe that, so you hold fast. So he's believing it for himself and he's having influence for when he's gone. He says, hold fast, Timothy, the form of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus and that good thing which was committed unto you. I believe he can keep what he put in me. I've put something in you and I believe he can keep that too. So that good thing that was committed unto you, you keep it by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. You keep it. Do you believe that, that God can keep you? Show resolve and be courageous. Be courageous. Now it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of the law in a book until they were finished. And Moses commanded the Levites which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord saying, take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of your Lord, your God. I don't think in the side, there doesn't mean that there was like a compartment inside the ark because the priests really weren't supposed to go in there. It was most likely that when they set the ark down, they would set the scrolls of the law in the Holy of Holies beside the ark, the original scrolls that Moses wrote. 
And he says, take it, put it there, that it may be there for a witness against you. Every time they would go into the Holy of Holies in the Day of Atonement, they would see the Scripture, and they'd be reminded that God, everything we do here, God told it to us. And here's why. He says you need to do this. Moses is a little grumpy at this point. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. Behold, while I'm still alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And how much more will you be after my death? So gather everybody together. Gather me to me, all the elders of your tribes, your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And so verse 30 really belongs in chapter 32. Moses taught them the song. And then in 32 we'll learn the song. You know, when we look at Moses here, and we could talk about a lot of things that he says here in the last few verses, but what I really want to talk about is Moses is so different than others who don't finish well. I want to leave you with this as the worship team comes up. There's a king called Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah, when he got old, the Lord told him, he said, you're going to die through the prophet Isaiah. And Hezekiah prayed, no, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. die." And so the Lord says, I'll give you 15 more years. In those 15 years, two bad things happen. One, he gives birth to Manasseh, who became the most wicked king Judah ever had. And the second thing is, as God's prospering Hezekiah in those 15 years, Babylon, who's not nobody back then, they're not really a power, they send a delegation to congratulate him, say, you know, hey, you, you're doing really well. We just want to send our greetings to let you know we're happy for you and whatever. And so Hezekiah, and he's thinking, no, oh, that's really nice of these guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them how, how good it is. And so he shows them everything, the treasury, the palace, everything. And Isaiah hears about it, and he goes in, and he goes, who are those guys? Delegation from Babylon. What'd you show them? I showed them everything. And he tells me, he says, yeah. Well, having seen all that, they're going to become a power in the future and they're going to take everything because they're going to remember it. Now, what was Hezekiah's response? Because he just gets the same word pretty much that Moses got. And in the future, things will be bad. Hezekiah says, well, at least it won't happen in my day. And then you can almost sense, we don't see Isaiah's reaction, but it says in the next verse, he says to him with a question mark, well, isn't that good that it won't happen in my day? It's almost like Isaiah looked at him and goes, what kind of response is that? Hezekiah didn't finish well. Moses is absolutely determined that he'll do everything in his power to make sure that not just in his day things are well, but for as long as possible after he's gone, they'll be well too. And that's what it means to finish well. So whether you're a father, a grandfather, a great-grandparent, a retired mentor, finish the task that God's given to you. Lay your life down for others. Give them the best chance to succeed when you're gone. Never take your foot off the pedal. Never compromise. And do everything in your power to leave the next generation in the best place it can be when you're gone. Let's all stand. Lord, our greatest challenges are not necessarily in our youth, Lord. It's, it's when the tasks haven't changed. But Lord, our energy level, our frustrations, our, all those things hit us as we get older. And Lord, we get set in our ways. I know when I think of myself, Lord, there are times when you asked me to do crazy things in the past and I didn't bat an eye. And now... Sometimes you ask me to do something, I think, oh, Lord, I, I kind of just wanted a nap today. But, Lord, you call us to finish well, never compromise, to never take our foot off the pedal, even though our bodies grow weak. So, Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. So whatever the task is that's in front of us still, that we finish well. Lord, that we leave, Lord, the influence of our lives, our families, our workplace, our church, Lord, our community, that through our influence, set up for the best chance of success, not just while we're here, but after we're gone too. Help us to have great influence, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
God desires obedience till the very end. He promises that he will be with us and walk us through every battle, every hardship, and every new journey. We have all the tools to finish our race well, like Moses did. All we must do is choose to follow God daily, choose his ways over our own, that we may walk in the life he offers. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.